conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Well, let's get into the final conversation for today. And we're joined by Dr. Bayanda Mbambisa, who is the chairperson of the Right to Sight organization. Uh, Dr. Mbambisa, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, Kathy, and thank you for having me today. We're, of course, uh, looking at World Sight Day and in particular the issue of um, visual impairments, at least those that can be prevented. Um, And it seems a a bit of a misnomer that we can talk about avoidable blindness because um, oftentimes when we're dealing with such a a sensitive issue, um, it's that there's nothing that people can do. Uh, so, So really, let's perhaps just talk about the various categories of visual impairments that that exist? So visual impairment is is really a catch-all phase for for somebody who's got poor vision, and that can be from a mild decrease in vision to to complete blindness. And unfortunately, in in South Africa and in many parts of of Africa and the third world, um, things like um, refractive error, which means needing spectacles, is still the leading cause of visual impairment. And that is something that those of us who have access find difficult to believe. But um, there are a lot of people who, if they received spectacles, would be able to see. The other um, category is cataract, which is also a very um, large number of people um, who who are suffering um, with, with poor vision and blindness due to cataract. And that is a treatable and reversible cause of blindness. Diabetic retinopathy is also a, a treatable, a preventable cause of, of visual impairment that we see um, way too much in this country. Um, unfortunately, conditions like glaucoma, once they are advanced, um, unfortunately, we cannot reverse their vision. But if they're picked up early, and that's where it's important to, to screen early, can be um, we can prevent blindness in those kind of patients. So blindness isn't always, um, it, it can sometimes be reversible and sometimes for a few patients it cannot be. I, I want to talk about um, those 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 factors that you you've just mentioned and the 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 the, the, the profile sort of that you've just mentioned. Access to 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 glasses. Um, how big is an issue of access? Really, and and when we talk about the fact that if somebody is unable to access it, then it um, leads to the further deterioration of their sight. Uh, what what are the time frames that that we're really dealing with here? So access is a, is a big thing when we're looking at a country like South Africa, where um, where we have many people who are dependent on the public healthcare system and those who are dependent on the private healthcare system. So in a private, those who are able to access private healthcare, usually access to glasses is not a a big problem. You know, there are optometrists everywhere in every town, city um, across the country. There are um, private optometrists. When we look in the public sector, however, the, the, the situation is dire. There are very few um, optometrists in the in the public sector. Um, you may get some at hospitals. I don't think there are any in our clinics, and that is really the first port of call for um, for people needing glasses is to get access to an optometrist. And so that is that is a critical need that we have for for people who are accessing our public healthcare sector. And um, 
it becomes a, a big problem when um, children are unable to see at school because they don't have spectacles that they need. And, um, and that would lead to poor performance, not because they're unable to study, but because they cannot see to study. And so it's important to get spectacles into the hands of children as early as we can. At, at which point of, of diagnosis does one then still say that there is an opportunity or a window to reverse the damage that um, one's eye may, ha- may have suffered? Well, it, it depends on, on what condition you're talking about. So as I said, some conditions are reversible, some are not. So cataract, for example, is a reversible condition. So even um, if you've got mild visual impairment due to cataract, surgery is very effective. And even if you're totally blind due to cataract alone, then that is also fully reversible. So so it depends on what the condition is as to whether um, it is reversible and we can restore the vision or not. Cataracts are surgeries that are often spoken about. The technology around cataracts has advanced quite considerably over the years. Um, Before we get into what we're dealing with as a country, can we first just begin by explaining what a cataract is? So so a cataract is, is essentially an opacity of the lens. So we have a lens in our eye that allows the, the light that, you know, that allows us to, to view things in our world. And, um, and that needs to be clear for, um, for us to be able to see, right? So once it becomes cloudy, then, then we aren't able to perceive images properly. So if you think about trying to look through a frosted glass window, you could see shadows and things moving past it, but you can't tell things in detail unless that, that window is, is, is clear. And so that, that is essentially what happens when you develop a cataract. And, um, and the symptoms will, will vary um, depending on, on how early or how advanced that cataract is. The public health care system has often had difficulties when it comes to dealing with patients that need cataracts simply because they're just so many and often there's this incredible backlog that that is faced um why is that the case so there's there's um quite a few things that that have contributed to that um one of them of recent times has been covid in that cataract surgery was seen as elective in the public sector and so therefore um, many cataract surgeries were left undone during the, the COVID years. We also, as you said earlier, have many people with, um, with cataracts that uh, present to our centres. And some hospitals do not have adequate staff to be able to, to manage those, that be that surgeons, sometimes it's inadequate nursing staff. The problem of consumables is also... Um, a challenge in many of our public hospitals in that you you know you need things you need to put a lens into somebody's eye once you remove the cataract and you need um, equipment that you you need to to work with and if those are not available then people will struggle to access cataract surgery and I think this is where organizations like the right to fight are trying to come in and assist so um, what the right to fight does is to to partner with surgeons in the private sector. So the surgeons and the hospital donate of their time 
and, um, and their resources for free. So the hospital doesn't charge the patient and the, and the surgeon doesn't charge the patient. And um, right to site assists in, in purchasing some of the consumables that are needed for the surgery. Um, so, so this is, you know, just something that um, that is being done to try and, and decrease the, the the load of the the public mm-hmm. sector. But there are many people, despite that, who are still unable to access care. And 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 it's really great work that you, uh, alongside many of the other doctors at at Right to Sight, are, are doing. It's important for me to to acknowledge that. When it comes to again cataracts, is it easy to um, determine whether one's visual impairment is being caused by a cataract or whether it's just a, a, a deterioration of, of their sight, especially amongst elderly people? So, yes, clinically, it's a clinical diagnosis. So if you visit an, an ophthalmologist, they will be able to look in your eye, look at the lens, and you can see the, the opacity in the lens that is that is causing the problem. So, so often we, we assess um, functionally how um, how it is affecting your life. So you can have somebody with a very, very early cataract who is, is functioning well and does not want surgery. And that is a decision that would be made by the surgeon and the patient in consultation to find out what their visual needs and requirements are. And then you get those patients who really are battling um, and they, you know, they, they're really struggling with either activities of daily living or they're totally blind. Um, and then uh, cataract surgery would, would be of benefit to them. You know, I, I recently had an, an elderly lady approach me and uh, she was telling me about uh, an issue that she has with, with her eye. And um, she describes how she went to a hospital. It's a public hospital in, in a rural area. And basically, you know, the, the nurses were incredibly unhelpful. Um, to date, she still is unclear about what is actually causing um, her, her visual impairment. I did suggest, I was like, look, um, you know, you, you, you just don't know. You could well be dealing with a cataract. And if it is, you know, the, the surgery um, is, 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 is relatively easy to do. But th- they just hadn't given her enough information um, to actually understand what it is that 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 was causing her her her, her visual impairment, and and she was saying to me that she's actually she's going blind in in the one eye. I and mean, what does somebody like that do? I think it it indicates what I spoke about earlier about um, poor resources in in some of our rural hospitals because we should ideally have optometrists and ophthalmic nurses who are available and able to assist those kind of patients. Unfortunately, um, general, general nurses are not always able to, um, to pick up and diagnose eye conditions. Uh, you know, nursing is, is very broad. And, um, and I think this is, this is a, a gap um, that we have in our public health care system. Um, so I think patients like that really do need to persist and perhaps request a referral to a center that has um, eye care professionals, either an ophthalmologist, an optometrist, or even ophthalmic nurses who would be able to have a look at the eye and and um, 
give that patient an answer whether, you know, this is a cataract and something can be done or whether it is something more serious. All right, I'm going to begin taking questions for, uh, for you from our listeners. We're in conversation with Dr. Bayanda Mbambisa. She is the chairperson of the Right to Sight organization. She's also an ophthalmologist and will be taking your questions. I'm going to kick it off with those that are coming through on the WhatsApp line. You can also dial in 086-000-2032. That's 086-000-2032. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Please, can you ask the doctor there, um, does castor oil help uh, improve uh, one's vision? Because there's a video that uh, I saw of people were advising uh, others to put like, uh, drops in the eyes. They say it can actually improve uh, vision. Please, can you ask for me? Dr. Bayanda? Yes. Um... Um, I'm not sure if I heard the question properly. It was something about drops improving vision. Castor oil. Castor oil. Okay, yeah. no, I missed that. No. <laughs> castor oil does not improve your vision. So I would advise people not to be putting castor oil in their eyes to, to improve vision. Um, there, there's different drops that you can use for the eyes, and it depends on what the condition that person has as to whether that particular eye drop will assist in, in, in visual improvement. So um, it's important to get a diagnosis first to find out whether you need drops or whether you need surgery. And then the doctor will, um, will based on what is happening with your eyes, will prescribe the correct drops to treat what is happening in your eyes. There's no one single drop that helps in, in eye conditions, unfortunately. All right, thanks for that. Morning, Kathy. Could you ask your guest, the doctor? There is something that is called pterygia that I was told by the optometrist. The question is what is the difference between pterygia and cataract? Does pterygia develop into cataract? Thank you. That's money. Dr. Bayanda? So, pterygium and cataract are two different conditions. A pterygium is something that grows on the surface of your eyeball, and um, it's the conjunctiva. So, the conjunctiva is that layer of tissue that's um, over the white part of your eye, and what happens is that sometimes it grows across onto your cornea. So, your cornea is the clear window of the eye. Often, when you look um, at somebody, uh, it, it, it's transparent, so you can see the color of their eyes through their cornea. So if the pterygium, the conjunctiva, is growing over onto the cornea, then we call that a, a pterygium. So it's, it's the conjunctiva on the outside of the eye. And um, in many people, you see it on the corner, and it, um, and it sometimes can just stay there for, for, for a long time. It's usually you'll see it. It's like a V-shape, a wedge shape growing onto the, the cornea. In some people, it can grow and um, grow over the surface of the cornea, and um, we, we can remove that with surgery. A cataract is different. A cataract is in the inside of the eye where your lens is, um, and your lens is, is the thing that helps you focus um, light and transmit images into your eyeball. 
cancer are two different conditions. What is what is the, the, the risks that are associated with uh, cataract surgeries? With the, the surgery itself? Yes. So it, it, it depends on what the underlying problem is and, um, and what has caused the cataract. If, if it is a normal age-related cataract, it's usually um, very successful. You know, one of the, the most successful surgeries we have at the moment and, and vision is restored. Um, in patients in which there is an underlying um, problem, so sometimes somebody develops a secondary cataract due to, um, to an, um, an eye problem like uveitis or diabetes, or they may have been trauma to the eye, then the surgery becomes technically, uh, may become technically more difficult in that um, you may have an abnormality of the cataract itself. Which, um, which could then lead to complications and you either are unable to put in a lens um, and, and so if you aren't able to put in an artificial lens to replace the lens you've removed, then, um, then the vision does, is, not, is not restored. A lot of the, the complications that happen um, with the surgery are often um, correctable at the time of surgery or sometimes a second surgery is, is possible. If the cataract has developed because of a problem in the back of the eye, like the retina, and there is um, and and that is untreatable. Then we are unable to to improve the vision. So it all depends on on um, what has caused the cataract and what is associated in the eye all with right. that cataract. All right. Thank thank you for that, uh, Doctor Mbambi. So we'll continue the conversation with her. It's time for your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're in conversation with Dr. Bayanda Mbambisa, who is the chairperson of Right to Sight. We're talking uh, just around some of the uh, challenges when it comes to visual impairments, but in particular, those that are preventable or those, you know, interventions that can be put in place that ultimately can lead to, um, you know, the a, a situation where people don't completely uh, lose their sights and cataracts are one of those that we've been focusing on in this conversation. She is an ophthalmologist, so I'll be taking your questions for her as we have done just before the news break. Jay, you're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Hi. Hi, doctor. Um, I want you to know that if there are other symptoms, like I've had burning in certain places during the day, different parts of my eye and itching, because um, at one time I had a one of those dry eyes, just the one when then I got over it. My father died and I cried for a week, so that opened it up. But when I had that, I could feel the lump pulling for me in my eye, and um, it felt sort of and you know like thick in the white. And I also want to know if the surgery is done by laser surgery. I'll um, listen on the radio. Thank you, doctor, for the program. Okay, so so Jay was speaking about two different things. Um, there's the burning and the itching on the on the eye, and that's often associated with dry eye. And then she wanted to know about surgery. I assume the surgery is, is the cataract surgery. So I'll deal with the two different conditions. So burning and, and itching of the eyes, um, heavy eyes, um, those kind of things are often associated with with dry eye. And that is often treated successfully with drops. 
Um, sometimes if the drops don't work, there are other um, modalities that, um, that ophthalmologists can use to, to improve the symptoms. But um, dry eye is a very common condition, and we see it a lot more now that people are on devices and, um, uh, and, and doing work on screens. Um, the second question about the cataract and whether it's done by laser. So um, the laser is, is being incorporated into cataract surgery, but laser itself cannot, um, the, the, the cataract surgery cannot be done fully by laser. So there's certain steps that a laser can do, um, but it, it doesn't seem to, um, to be that um, much better than traditional phacoemulsification surgery, which is the, the small incision cataract surgery that many um, surgeons are doing. Uh, so so the, there hasn't really been um, a huge uptake in, in laser surgery, but it is available to assist as part of the, the steps in, in cataract surgery. Oh, okay, so, so it's part of the steps, so you wouldn't just be able to do only the laser surgery and be done with it? Well, it, you know, I think I think when it comes to laser, there's a there's a misunderstanding <laughs> as to what laser does and doesn't do. Um, there's different types of lasers that are used in in ophthalmology. So often the the, the one type of laser we do is um, used for refractive surgery. So when people don't want to wear glasses anymore, they can do um, a form of laser which reshapes the cornea, which is the front of the eye. Um, and then, and then that is fully done by by laser. When we're talking about cataract surgery, the the, the cataract surgery that is um, that is often done is small incision phacoemulsification, and we use an ultrasound probe to to emulsify the cataract and put in a small um, little foldable lens. Uh, so so that often patients think that that is laser. And, and it's not laser. Uh, but um, what I was saying is that now you can use femtosecond laser as part yeah. of that to do some of the steps. But All right. it's usually the, the, the ultrasound um, that does the, that assists in the cataract surgery. All right. Thanks for that, Doc. Jonas, you're in Sasselberg. Good morning. Uh, good day, Kathy. Uh, Kathy, I wanted to ask the doctor if maybe they can assist me with artificial cornea for both my eyes. An artificial cornea. Yes, doctor. Uh, in 2011, you know what I condition was... you have? Sorry, uh, both my corneas were damaged while I was uh, robbed in 2011. Mm. So yep. maybe I, I thought uh, artificial uh, corneas can assist me maybe to regain my 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 eyesight. So, so currently we we don't have um, artificial corneas that are um, that are used as part of you know mainstream surgery. There are studies that are you know that are happening in that area. What we do do though is do corneal transplantation with don't with um, with donor corneas, um, and so um, that is done in a lot of the major centers throughout the country. So I'm not sure where you are based, but um, a lot of the major hospitals with, um, with an ophthalmologist would be able to guide you as to whether you would qualify for 
for a corneal transplant. Uh, maybe, ma'am, can you uh, take my co uh, contacts from the, the producer there? If maybe there where, is where, any where assistance. Where are you based? Which province are I'm, you based in? I'm, I'm, I'm in Sasolbeck, in the Free State. In the Free State. Um, I'm yes. sure they'd be able to help you in Bloemfontein, um, at uh, Unitas, at the hospital in Bloemfontein. Um, they would be able to guide you. All right. Jonas, um, you heard that response, so try the Unitas Hospital um, and, and see how far you can get and, and let us know, let us know what, what, what the experience has been. Tabitha, you are in Durban. Good morning. Morning, Kathy, and to um, the doctor. Um, so I just wanted to call in because we use the Right to Sight program for my son, who's six years old. Um, his teacher asked us to get him an eye test, and we were quite certain that nothing would come of it. Um, but it was so emotional to have him do the test and um, to see that he actually couldn't see. Um, and so I, I just want to say thank you to the program. Um, it, it, it's been helpful for us because I also. Um, battled with, with my sight and was only able to actually get glasses once I started working because of an affordability issue. Um, so I used to, when I was in school, have to take my friend's homework book home because I couldn't see the board. Um, so, you know, you go through that whole cycle and then to have it happen to your own child is really emotional. So. I just wanted to say thank you to, mm. to the right to see. Um, oh. and uh, Tabitha, thanks, thanks for calling in um, and sharing that story. And how's how's your son doing doing now? How old is he now? He's six years old. So we just uh, this is just two months that we've okay. started this whole thing, and so he's been wearing glasses for just over a month, and um, we're so thankful. Mm -hmm. And we're able to catch it young and. Yeah. Um, you know, and I imagine that his quality of life is probably uh, so so much better. Were you, had you been able to pick up at all that there may have been something wrong with not his sight? Not at all, not at all. We did not see any um, markers or anything. Um, so it was really when the teacher asked us to have an eye test done for him, we really thought that nothing was going to come of it. Um, he had very bad handwriting. It's just very untidy handwriting. And so we just thought, okay, well, he's just got bad handwriting and he's a boy and he rushes with everything. Um, so we really were surprised when when we were told that he actually does have a vision problem. Mm, Tabitha, I think there'll be so many other uh, parents that are listening to this conversation that, that will, will find your story insightful and will learn from your experience. Thank you uh, for calling in and glad to hear that he's doing much better with his glasses there. Um, and this is, of course, through the assistance of um, the right to sight. I've got a couple of more questions for you, uh, Dr. Mbambisa. I'll take uh, two more WhatsApp voice notes. What I'll do is that I'll play the voice note and you can respond directly after um, the voice note. All right. Okay. Hi, Katie. Ask the doctor there, 
what causes glaucoma. Sometimes people mostly in Africa, the glaucoma is commonly in older people. What causes glaucoma? Yes. yes, you can go ahead, Doc. Oh, oh, sorry, I thought there was a, there was another um, call. So just to in answer to to Talita, it's great that her that her son was able to 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 get the glasses. Um, unfortunately, that is that is not part of what um, Right to Fight um, does. We do mainly cataract surgery, but that is um, an initiative from the optometrist. Uh, where they are trying to to get access to to glasses in kids, and that is, as a, you know, as you can see, it has a profound effect on young kids when they're able to get glasses. So, in answer to your um, to the voice note that came in about glaucoma, so so glaucoma, we we um, we don't know exactly what causes it, but we know what um, who gets it and and what the risk factors are. So as the, the gentleman said, it is more common in older people, and so that's why we advise people over the age of 40 to get screened so that they can see if they do have glaucoma, particularly if there's a family history and strongly in first-degree relatives. So if you have a mother-father um, with glaucoma, then you're at a higher risk of, of getting glaucoma. We see it more commonly in, in, um, in African people, particularly the open angle type of glaucoma, we see it more, um, more in African people. So there are certain risk factors that are associated with, um, with glaucoma. So if you um, have some of those risk factors, then, um, then you should get screened because glaucoma is unfortunately one of the conditions which presents late because the, um, the visual loss um, starts in the periphery first, so you don't really notice that you can't see very well. And and sometimes people only present when they're completely blind. And once you're completely blind from glaucoma, then we are unable to, to improve your vision. All right. So it's important to pick it up in the early stages while you still have a little bit of, of peripheral field loss, and then we are able to, to slow down the progression. All right. prevent you from getting completely blind. Dr. Bayanda Mbambisa, thank you so much uh, for your time on the Talking Point this morning. It's been a pleasure being in conversation with you. That, of course, also brings us to the end of our show for today. Coming up next is um, the book reading. Tomorrow we're live for you uh, from Durban, a special broadcast uh, taking place yet again. I'll be back with you again on Friday morning.